Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top-of-mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Amy Rojek, Director of BDO Center for Corporate Governance, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down once again with Todd Simmons, a fellow BDO colleague and our National Managing Partner of Tax Risk Management, to discuss the current state of Congress and its impact on the likelihood of legislative activity. We will touch on key takeaways from President Biden's recent State of the Union address in 2023 regarding where parties stand on tax policy, what policies have been enacted recently, and what we can expect to see passed in the coming months. So first, a little bit about Todd. Todd is BDO's National Managing Partner of Tax Risk Management, as I mentioned, and he's responsible for managing risk issues related to tax for the firm, including tax return prepare issues, client-related practice issues, and reportable transaction consulting. In addition, Todd oversees the tax practices, tax controversy, and procedure practice, managing controversies and addressing questions related to procedure. And Todd also serves as the leader of our tax policy and legislation practice, advising clients on the potential for legislative activity and the impact of changes in tax law. Prior to joining BDO, Todd was a member of the Tax Controversy and Risk Management Services practice at Ernst & Young, and he also practiced law at White & Case LLP, where he assisted in the writing and production of Michael L. Saltzman IRS practice and procedures. Additionally, he served as a legislative uh, counsel for the U.S. Congress, Joint Committee on Taxation, and as an associate with Blank Rome, and as a law clerk to U.S. Tax Court Judge Joel Gerber. So he's a co-author of the Tax Management Portfolio on Reportable Transactions. So Todd, with that quite a pedigree, welcome to the program once again. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for inviting me back. All right. So we're going to dive right in here. So if you can just broad brush, tell us what's been acted recently and what people should be aware of. Well, to figure out what's been enacted, we have to go back in time to 2022 and take a look at some of the pieces of tax legislation that joined other bills. So let's go back to the Inflation Reduction Act. There's some notable provisions there. Um, first, which is one of the sort of standout provisions that corporations in particular certainly are, are keenly aware of is the new 15% book minimum tax on income of a billion or more. So corporations um, now have this sort of new alternative minimum tax that is going to be assessed at a 15% rate on a minimum book income of a billion or more, and it's looked at over a three-year period. And that is is kind of a huge change um, because first, it is a new minimum tax policy that, that's come in, and it gets closer to where the OECD is on looking for this pillar two, but it's not quite there. Um, but that is probably the biggest new compliance issue that corporations have to think about. Also, that, that was in the Inflation Reduction Act, we have $80 billion of new IRS funding, I think about $46 billion of which is earmarked for enforcement. We're starting to see some of those um, 
dollars get spent. For example, I think we have something like 5,000 new customer service reps. This whole talk about 87,000 um, exam agents, I don't think that's quite going to happen, but we will see them um, hired over time. And then, of course, we had in December the new omnibus budget bill that was enacted at the end of the year. In there was the SECURE Act of 22, which contains a host of retirement provisions, um, changes on 401k, um, IRAs, Roth, and other plan rules that came in there as well. Um, it expands a lot of enrollment availability, increases in when you have to take your required minimum distribution, those age increases from 72 to 73 to 75 in, in another 10 years. Um, more availability to do catch-up contributions and things of that nature. So it really um, brings a, a retirement package that I do think had some bipartisan support as well. Uh, but the window was still there at the end of 22 when you had a Democratic House, Senate, and White House. Nowadays, that's the only way to get any kind of meaningful tax legislation enacted is to have the White House, House, and Senate be the same party. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, so I think I think it was last week, based on the time of our recording, that President Biden had delivered his second State of the Union address. So during that speech, did the president discuss any upcoming tax proposals that people should be keenly aware of? So first of all, we haven't seen the Green Book yet, which is really the administration's detailed wish list when it comes to tax policy. We'll expect that really any day now. It's February, could be March. We'll probably see that coming pretty soon. But at the State of the Union, he was very high level. He spoke really about three particular issues. The first was um, increasing the 1% the, uh, excise tax on stock buybacks that companies would buy back, again, from 1% to a new 4% rate. Um, he would also, he would impose a new billionaire's tax on households with net wealth exceeding 100 million and would they would pay a minimum rate of 20% on an expanded computation of income, which would include unrealized capital gains, for example. Right now under our tax system, we tax actual dispositions and realization. He would actually tax um, paper gains, unrealized gains. What he also indicated is that he would not raise taxes on anyone earning under 400,000 a year. Um, what was not mentioned was the global minimum tax, again, that pillar two issue. Um, once again, that 15% book minimum tax that I started with uh, earlier is, is different, um, very similar, but different in terms of um, it being what the OECD has uh, proposed. Right, and under that, the, the 15%, when is that effective? Is that effective for calendar 2023? When, when, is, when can we expect that tax or is it a look back? It should be effective one one twenty three, like the retirement provisions generally are. Okay. Um. So same date. Gotcha. So you mentioned um the parties and and you know Congress and how how everything is split. So where do the policies um for tax stand within the parties themselves? How much agreement or disagreement is there on on some of these more tenuous policies? I'll, I'll call them. It's interesting, you know, the point you raise can be can look at in two ways. First, substantively, I think there are clearly areas the parties could come together, for example, trying to deal with the OECD um, issue. Um, some of those sort of more um, agreeable tax policy issues they could come together on. 
But that's not the easy end of the inquiry. We have to think about the politics here. And with a Republican House now, a Democratic Senate and Democratic White House, I just don't see any really future window or opportunity for meaningful tax legislation, a package, for example, to get through both houses, because the same package would have to get through both houses. Do I think that the House will will start to address tax policy? Sure. I mean, they have their, their priorities. We haven't really heard much from them yet as they kicked off the Congress last month. So we don't know what the details would be. Now, perhaps they'll respond to the Green Book when it comes out um, with m- maybe their own uh, proposals. I think we know generally, though, Amy, they probably the, the Republicans in the House would probably favor extending the Jobs Act provisions, because recall, just about all of the Jobs Act provisions enacted in 17 expire in 25 or 26. With the exception of, for example, the 21 percent corporate rate, that's permanent. So I do think that one of the priorities of House Republicans, for example, would be extending those provisions in the Jobs Act. The Democrats, on the other hand, would probably be looking at back at some of the provisions that did not make it through the Build Back Better bill from last year. Some of the increases they wanted to see in some individual taxpayer rates, corp, uh, capital gains, et cetera. Um, and there was some interest in actually re-raising the corporate rate a little bit. Um, it was 35. It's now 21. There was some talk about 25, maybe 28. But again, the landscape isn't there for either party to really advance their their priorities or their policies. But I do think once Congress starts to get underway, and again, we see that green book, that might be the catalyst for some of the discussions of the policies that we start to see um, perhaps at least talked about. Gosh, I know that that's really helpful. So I guess, um, you know, you, you started to, to mention this, but are there any tax policies that really do have a chance of some action in your mind? Well, the one thing that keeps coming back to my mind is whether international will be tackled. Um, I think it, again, is, it is agreed, I believe, in a bipartisan basis um, that some of the international provisions need to be modified. There was some changes in the Build Back Better bill from last year um, to, I think, Guilty, um, Guilty, Fitty, Beat, those three that came in from the the Jobs Act of 2017. So, and of course, the OECD, this global minimum tax, the Pillar 2 issue. So I I would think, in my view, one of the first places that parties could go to, both houses could go to, would be to look somewhere there, because I do think that they'll get the agreement more quickly. Even with, though, um, understood bipartisan agreement, bicameral agreement, there could still be politics at play. And despite the fact that it might be policies that could, you know, could go, uh, go somewhere, the politics might stop things. But I think that's one area. Um, where there's, there'd be agreement. There's not a lot of other policy areas where there's agreement. I mean, and it even boils down to, for example, the $80 billion in, in funding that I mentioned went to the IRS in the Inflation Reduction Act. Many Republicans in the House, when, when they um, took over, were talking about reversing that. Well, of course, that would take an act of legislation. And again, they don't have 
the Republicans in the Senate or the White House to do that. But a lot of of what we're going to hear policy wise um, is going to be more what the parties would want than I think areas of agreement. But the first thing, again, that would come to mind would be, is there something in international that we could do? Um, because that is is not just a domestic issue. It's also an issue that keeps us, you know, on par with what the rest of um, you know, the countries are doing that are trying to follow and keep with some of these policies. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's been really helpful. I, I, as we're kind of sitting here and we're coming up on shareholder meeting season in a, in a couple months and, and folks are finalizing, you know, calendar year companies finalizing their 10Ks and everything else. Anything that from a board perspective, boards may want to be thinking about in terms of queries they may get from shareholders or other stakeholders with respect to their you know tax liability positions etc i think this new corporate tax on book income this 15 percent minimum tax is going to be something that boards are going to have to understand appreciate and be ready to tackle um, it will hit businesses with a billion or more um, in in profits and that will cover many businesses What's interesting about this tax is because it brings book income in, in my mind, it it creates a little bit of a of a tug between the um, goal of of high financial statement income and your hope for lower taxable income. That is is the way the system works now is and by having this minimum tax, when you get down to making these computations, and it starts with book income, and it, there are some adjustments that the code provides, but it starts with book income, there's going to be a, an interest in seeing book income really low for the tax purposes. And, and you know, you, you really have to be able to justify why it would be higher for financial but lower for book. Boards need to understand that this minimum tax is is a new policy. It is not the same as the old corporate alternative minimum tax, which was repealed in, in the Jobs Act. Um, and it's likely here for a while. Now, um, it will be interesting to just see how companies start to plan around that. Um, but I think, to me, that's probably going to be one of the big things. Other things that, that, that companies just need to always be aware of, and I think that more so now, is examinations. Just be ready for them. The IRS is going to be beefing up enforcement for several reasons. First, there was a government shutdown like in 19. Then we had COVID, which was just unprecedented in terms of what it did to the IRS. Um, and so there's catch up from there. There's also new funding and the IRS is going to understandably want to show that that funding was not for no reason that it's going to be used. And I do think they're going to start to ramp up enforcement and companies need to understand that the IRS will be asking pointed questions. They will be looking for revenue. Um, you know, when the IRS was given their 80 billion, it was to raise, I think, something like, I don't know, four or five, six hundred billion. And so the money's got to be coming from somewhere. And so I think businesses need to be um, ready for that. And I also would say, you know, watch the international space. Um, 
you know, we have guilty beat and fitty, these new um, tax policies that came in. Watch to see if if there is momentum to start to change any of these policies and if they would impact um, the business itself. I think that's some place to look also. Now, thank you, Todd. Really appreciate your thoughts on this. And of course, we will have you back as um, as more things get finalized in the future. And we'll kind of stay tuned and keep our ears open for that. So appreciate your time today. Thanks, Amy. All right. Thank you to our audience. And don't forget to check out other uh, BDO in the Boardroom podcasts. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.